MailChimp presents. Hello, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis. Welcome to Call Paul, a show where I get to ring up some of the most interesting minds in small business and have thoughtful conversations about their unconventional approaches to commerce. I've run my own small company for the last 21 years, and I've written books on how bigger isn't always better in business. In this season, I'm talking to folks who are prioritizing doing the right thing over just the most profitable. Some are starting something brand new, standing up their businesses in an entirely new environment. Others have been at it a while, working to ensure their continued sustainability through turbulent times. And there's a lot to learn from everyone. I didn't make it to the NBA. I don't have a a deal like LeBron James or Michael Jordan. They don't know me personally, but I have lots of their exclusive shoes because I know people who know them. I know people who work for them and people who make it accessible to me. And like, that's what we're trying to promote here. That's Chad Jones, the COO and co-founder of Another Lane. He runs a company with his business partner and life partner, CEO and co-founder, Adina Jones. Another Lane is a sneaker marketplace made for and created by sneakerheads with sneakers like you've never seen them before, many of them museum-worthy. So we're not going to give the secret sauce away, right? <laughs> uh, but you do fill out an application on Another Lane to, to specifically be a seller. If you just want to buy or read content, uh, we're all here for that, so that's fine. But to To be a seller, we're looking for an application. And that's because you are going to be operating a marketplace. Sneakers and the sneaker industry is a big deal. As in, it drives and creates cultural influence far outside of shoes. And it's worth about $100 billion worldwide. But for Adina and Chad, the sneaker resale market isn't just about the money. It's about the community. Sneakerheads are a diverse group of people intergenerational, with entry points from worlds of sports, art, design, and music, and another lane brings them all together. So sneakers act as cultural markers in history. So I'll take, for example, Run DMC. Run DMC, a pivotal group in hip-hop culture, they had a song called My Adidas. Adidas superstars are now line to line connected to who they are, but also connected to such a great group. Um, Another example I'll list is, um, I think everyone's seen Back to the Future at some point in time. Uh, Michael J. Fox had these self-lacing shoes when he came to the future. And uh, now these shoes actually exist. Um, They're called Air Mag. And and that shoe actually, it was auctioned off and some of them go for about $11,000, an Air Mag. And then another thing that sneakers act is they act as emotional emotional talisman, I like to call them, right? There are people who can look at a pair of sneakers, whether they own it or not, and draw back to a moment in their life, a moment that they may never get back, a moment that's special to them. And then lastly, they act as um, status symbols. Let's get it straight, right? If you are wearing a very rare shoe, uh, if you are wearing a shoe that Kylie Jenner had on yesterday, and now it, you know, it costs, the, the resale value has has tripled. Uh, we know you're about something and that maybe, you know, you've got a few dollars in your pocket. So speaking to the either status symbol, your choice, status symbol or emotional talisman, Chad, what's your favorite pair of sneakers and what do they mean to you and how do you feel about them? So 
you could ask me for a year and I could give you a shoe for the year, right? Because every year my choice changes. Like, I, like I'm not the typical sneakerhead who's stuck in the nostalgia of the 80s or 90s. Like, I love the new product. I love where things are going. Like, so today, I love Adidas's 4D technology. It's like knit and it has like this carbon 3D printed sole. So it's like really futuristic type of technologies. You asked me two years ago, like, it was a different shoe that like every year I want to say that I, I probably spend 10 to $20,000 into one silhouette because I fall in love with it. Chad has actually co-curated an international museum of shoes and sneakers. It's called um, out of the box rise of sneaker culture. And, and I couldn't give it one. Like, so I had to, I had to bring, well, I gave them, I gave them three for, for, for my own personal collection. Uh, we have a collection upstairs uh, of over 600 sneakers just about so you could see that chad doesn't have a favorite shoe if he had a favorite we wouldn't amass this large collection so he loves them all can you talk about what the other person brings to another lane i have felt understood my entire life understood uh, misunderstood excuse me <laughs> see um Sorry. and exactly she's like able to magically understand some of the things that i'm saying and trying to do and because she's a professional storyteller and she cares about me it it allows me to really accurately get across what it is that i'm trying to do which sometimes can be very complex and she has a great way of simplifying it and make it succinct um, she's awesome like that. She's awesome at keeping me focused and, and, and direct. And that's what I appreciate so much about her. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, and what does Chad bring to the company off the bat? Extreme knowledge of sneakers. Chad is, I call him an archivist. Uh, he, and, and not because he feels like he has to hold on to some culture of sneakers. Cause a lot of sneakerheads feel like that. It's literally just inside of his brain and it might have something to do with having an OCD because uh, it doesn't stop with sneakers sometimes like you know at some point in time it was like it was small toy cars or NBA jerseys like so this is just in his DNA and his blood so he he eats sleeps and breathes this and you can't have a company at least expect it to flourish and relate to such an authentic community if this isn't your livelihood and it isn't in your brain so that's definitely what he brings to it. And Chad also brings a level of empathy for the customer. We've gotten some, I don't say nasty, but um, cantankerous um, emails and, and correspondence. And Chad is a whiz at relating to these people and uh, bringing them down a notch and still, and having them still believe in another lane. And I myself, I'm just like, I can't, it's angry people. It's nice. I feel to, I do a bit of customer support in my business as well. And I feel I, I get those anchor emails as well. And I feel like the tune changes so quickly if the other person just feels like you heard them and you listen to them. It's, it's not about you when those calls are going in. You got to try to get inside them and understand what where they're coming from and then address their pain, pain points. From a place of leadership, you have to start with service. And in order to be the best service provider, you actually have to serve the customer and you need to understand the customer to serve the customer. So I've been the one who's been not treated right, you know, and I know how that felt and it really sucked, especially when nobody was listening. Mm -hmm. So I got the chance to be on the other side and I want people to know I'm listening mm -hmm. and I care and I'm going to make those changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's one of the benefits of, of having a small business is when you run your own business, you yeah. can just be the human on the other end. It's not just uh, 
It's not just a, a robot. So what brought you to then start the, your company, Another Lane? I, I, you know, I saw it from the outside in, right? Because Chad was, you know, he's been collecting and occasionally sell a sneaker here and there. And the current platforms were taking anywhere from 8 to 20% of his sneaker sale. And I, I just told you how valuable his sneakers are. If you have a sneaker that's being sold at $5,000, why does a platform deserve 8 to 20% of a hard-earned shoe? that Chad got because of his connections and who he is. So, you know, he started selling on his Instagram at certain points in time and great, you know, no, no fees and things, but you know, your people are in your DMS, lowballing you, you, you know, DMS are not a, a, a customer service uh, <laughs> a platform. And so between those two, I kind of being on the outside looking in, I'm like, Chad, there used to be this community. There are these people that, you still have that you can text and 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 have immediate sales or talk about collections but other than that and that's just him personally it doesn't exist so i was like Let, let's create something for them and just to add about that like so currently there's like four different generations of people that are into sneakers and so like it seems like around every 10 years there's a new influx of people who like shoes for very different reasons and specific reasons and 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 so like from the outside, a lot of people group everybody as one type of person. But from the inside, they're very, very different types of people. And what we're trying to do is to create a bridge there because these fragmented places don't really allow for community and even like an education so that you can expand the concepts of the things that you're into. Why is community so important to um, you both and to another lane as a business? I do have you know, a reason for this community and it, it stemmed out of Chad needing it, like we said. It's a, um, it was a need that he had. You know, sometimes he's DMing somebody, he's texting someone, he's meeting up with them, someone. And this is no way to to sell sneakers to have a business. And we wanted to bring it back to what it used to be. That's that's why we why we're here and why we're going to continue to be here. So community is the thing that we were missing. So it's like. You know, if they won't give you a seat at the table, you uh, bring your own chair. That's what we're doing. And my own table. Table. The, the cloth, the placemats. Yeah, the food. Like, <laughs> no, other people got to bring the food, but I'm bringing the table, the placemats, the silverware, everything. Uh -huh. So truth be told, it's not about what you can do. It's about who you do it with. It's about the teams that you build. Um, because without that, it doesn't matter how good your product is. It's still going to fail. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, like I pride myself on having some shoes that people have never been able to see. Um, and I would have never had the access to get some of the shoes that I've been able to have and even display had I not had this community behind me. Like, I didn't make it to the NBA. You know, I don't have, I don't have a, a deal like LeBron James or Michael Jordan. They don't know me personally, but I have lots of their exclusive shoes yeah. because I know people who know them. I know people who work for them and people who make it, you know, accessible to me. And like, that's what we're trying to promote. Yeah. How does the vetting process work? Because it's not just like a, a site where you up, you have a shoe, you upload it and you sell it, right? So can you talk a bit about how the vetting process works and how that relates to it being an important, I guess, having a community aspect to, to the thing? So the vetting process, how it works, we're not going to give the secret sauce away, right? <laughs> uh, but you do fill out an application on another lane to, to specifically be a seller. If you just want to buy or read content, uh, we're all here for that, so that's fine. But to 
to be a seller, we're looking for an application. And that's because you are going to be operating a marketplace that's that's transacting money, that's transacting a product that is actually highly counterfeited in the world. So we want to A, make sure that you're a good person before you get on this platform. And a lot of other platforms, they're anonymous. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. It's just like, yo, give me those fees and let's go. So um, we're looking at social media. Uh, we're looking at, you know, how many sneakers you've actually moved before. And, and we also, we don't require it now, but it will be required, but we do welcome references. So references that are of people inside the platform or people that are large in the secret community that we can um, connect you to. So that is how we're looking at the application process. And it, like I said, it actually acts as one level of fraud protection, right? Like if you apply and I see your handle is, I don't know, two loves kicks and somebody's has a thing that's like, yo, two loves kicks sold me a bad pair or he's really bad in, in communicating. We're going to think twice about that. So I, I want to talk about um, the partnership a little bit because you work together, you are together. How does that work? So let's start here. How does that work in practical terms as far as how do you decide what each of you are going to do uh, in the business? Good question. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you're the CEO, answer that question. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm always talking. So that's one thing that the CEO does is I am more so more or less the mouthpiece of the business, especially when it comes to pitching. And I do have a background in digital and journalism. I was at one point in time, I was one of four black female sports columnists in the nation. So communication is something that is my specialty. That's practically right. And then Chad is more on the organizational side. And, you know, Chad is an extreme knowledge center. So whether it's posting sneakers, talking to sneakerheads, making sure that the our logistics are proper to deliver sneakers, like Chad is all here for that. And Chad was actually a director of operations at a managed service provider, a telecom uh, company. So it's in his blood too. You were accepted into Techstars, which is an accelerator program for companies to get up and running. Can you talk about how you got involved with Techstars? The way we got connected with Techstars was very serendipitous. Uh, and the thing about it, you know, they talk about luck, but it's just when uh, fate meets preparation, right? So I did a, I was on a podcast called True Hoop. We talk about basketball and things surrounding it and culture. And during the time, we were going through a lot of the George Floyd movement and what was happening. And a lot of times I got on the show and I was just frustrated and angry. I am one of two black people on the show. It's just four of us. Um, and so, you know, they talked about how can we solve this problem and how can we support the black community? And I was like, you know what you can do? You can invest in my business. I was like, you, you know, reading all these books and, and, you know, hashtags. I was like, you can directly impact the African-American community right here. And when I said that someone who was listening, in the chat was like, hey, I think I can help you. And fast forward, introduced us to people who were connected to Techstars and uh, at a, they were from a bank called Silicon Valley Bank. And they were like, hey, have you ever heard of Techstars? And we're like, and it's actually the Techstars Boston program. And I was like, no, I was like, it's in Boston anyway. I was like, we were in New York, it doesn't make sense. Um, but we applied a lot of rounds of interviews and we were prepared though. We had, we were like, listen, we're doing this without our, with or without tech stars. And God admitted, um, I think we started October 29th. And we're part of a, a, a cohort. It's 10 companies in there as far as Ireland and India in some cases. Um, but all out of this cohort in uh, Boston, but 
the larger network is 150 different countries with a market cap of like 50 billion dollars. Yeah. And so it's it's like they're introducing you to like these heads and and people who really move money and are decision makers and and allow us the mentorship to build our company in a way that if we so choose we could raise capital. Mm-hmm. We could do a, a, a myriad of different things, um, and so we're really appreciative of, of, of yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's almost like a three-month MBA. Yeah, and uh, we do appreciate that a lot of the people are first-time entrepreneurs or don't come from backgrounds that have entrepreneurs, and we in their family or their circles, and we're very much so like that. So um, they are giving us the grace and space to um, participate and learn about this environment. What happens if there's a disagreement in the business? How do you deal with that? And how do you make sure that that doesn't bleed out, right, to other areas? <laughs> it's funny. Um, in the beginning, um, it, was, it was a lot more difficult. We had to really, like, lay out what the boundaries are and define them specifically. Because one thing that we're learning more and more today as we spend more and more time is that communication is so important. And also, our experience influences our communication, which is why our perspectives are so different. So we have to make sure that we actually understand what each other is saying before rebuttal, emotion, or anything even comes into play. And that's extremely difficult. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it's the easiest thing. But one thing I will say is when we get to that understanding, it's like, Boom, because we already know that the relationship is a magical relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when we can come to that compromise and we get there, mm-hmm. it like the growth or the acceleration that comes out of it, it's yeah. like it's like a racing term almost like when you hit that apex and you're able to like power out mm-hmm. like super strong. That's exactly yeah. what it's like. And um, just to give a practical example, you know, of separating work and life. So this morning, like I'm literally just like yawning wiping the crust out of my eyes and Chad wakes up before me. So he's like reading his emails in the bed and I wake up and I'm like, huh? He's like, Hey, can you read this customer service email? I'm about to send to this guy. And I was just like, and he's like, he's in Switzerland. So the time difference, and I have to email him. <laughs> I, and I was like, I said, do you think this is a proper thing to discuss at seven 30 in the morning? And I was like, I'm gonna let you answer that. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Uh, so, but like I said, it's the exciting thing. And we, and I have moments like that too. And we just have to check each other on it. <laughs> How has it been starting a company basically at the start of the pandemic and then building a company through um, a, a pretty nuts year that, that 2020 was? Stressful. <laughs> it's stressful, but it's like a unique stress. And yeah, it's, it's weird because, okay, yeah, you're pandemic, you're locked in the house, but have you been locked in the house with your coworker? Because I have. You used to be able to like go out with a drink with your girlfriends or go on a vacation. We can't do that anymore. So you you find different ways. I'm learning to turn that worry into either productive work or just ignoring it because we got this far and you know, continue to put into existence what we need. Uh, I almost want to uh, like use an analogy of calling it like a dark fantasy. Uh, so my entire life, like it's been like, it's, it's, it's hard growing up being black. Like I'm going to make, make no mistake about that. And so my experience is less linear and more of a, of a chaotic line if I were to describe what I've come up through growing up and into the into the professional world. And so 2020 to me 
was like diet my regular life, if I'm gonna be clear. Um, we were already preparing for this. The pandemic actually accelerated mm -hmm. to beyond belief. So that's why I say a dark fantasy, like a lot of crazy things happened that I could not yeah. have predicted, but those things happened to be very beneficial for us in terms of what it was that we were building. Yeah. Like literally day one when we opened up our shop, like sales just skyrocketed. And so it was like, oh, we might have something. And then it became like, I thought I was just here for, we're looking at like analytics and, and it's like, oh, it's just for the US. Maybe it's just New York, maybe California. No, no, <laughs> China, Switzerland, the UK, like, no, they want it all over the world. So it's like, how do we, how, like, this is a thing. So if we do it right, you know, we've got a, a, a lot of potential for this thing to grow because a lot of people aren't happy. But the one thing that connects us is sneakers. We, we were preparing for life without full-time jobs, right? Chad had already uh, quit his job in 2018. Um, I was we were preparing the family for me to quit at the top of 2020. So we understood what it was to like have a real monthly budget to understand like what, you know, make sure you get all your doctor's visits in, right? Like, so we had already kind of tightened our belt and then the pandemic hit and we're like, oh, look, we're ready. And I already knew what it was like to work from home for about two months. So there's that. And then, you know, being in Techstars, Boston, we, we would have had to move to Boston if there was no pandemic. Um, because most accelerators, you have to be there every day and be present. Now, we don't have to because it's virtual and that's due to the pandemic. It's amazing how many things used to have to happen in person that now that this has happened, it's like, no, actually, it doesn't. Yeah, totally yeah. unnecessary. You're yeah. wasting yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> so what advice would you give others starting a business right now during a pandemic? Every business needs to really be paying attention to how they communicate to their customer through the internet, whether it be through e-commerce, just speaking or through newsletters or just trying to connect with them. A lot of companies are failing in that aspect. Um, so, but seeing that all the trends are going that way, um, the, the value propositions are, are believe it or not, more in customer-centric type of, of, mm -hmm. of business than just a solution. So seeing that at a macro level and being able to apply it to something that's, that we're so passionate about mm -hmm. kind of was just, it, 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 it worked itself out. Another good thing that it is, though, is I tell people, like, you know, that unapproachable CEO or person that you thought you would never get to talk to in person, guess what? Maybe now they do have time or that celebrity, because it doesn't require them to get up, go somewhere, like you're just gonna be on Zoom. So shoot your shot. It's that kind of sentiment that gives Chad and Adina the ability to move quickly, do what needs to be done, and at the same time know the value of what they're providing. And while there's a lot of nostalgia in sneakers, it's about more than that. They're basically cultural time travelers. You know, so then it's just this, this memory. And like, I love my memories, but I love my future experiences just as much. As a matter of fact, my future I love way more than the past because I can't go back there, but I can keep going to the future. Mm -hmm. Chad and Adina are thinking hard about the future. They understand the marketplace like few others and know exactly how to scale their business. But more than that, they understand how culturally relevant their business is. That it isn't just the sale of impeccably designed kicks, but the act of passing these emotional talismans from one sneakerhead to another. 
Through this past year, I think we all may have collectively realized how important connection and community is. So companies like theirs, and really other small businesses too, can thrive by being the understanding and connecting alternative to huge marketplaces where anyone can sell anything. And this understanding is a result of the thought and care that they put into their business. From leaning into Chad's obsession for organizing systems and his expert eye and knowledge, to Adina's masterful storytelling and ability to translate the importance of what they're doing to stakeholders outside of the sneaker culture. And they do it with an eye towards opportunity, empathy, and flexibility. Next Friday, I'll be chatting with someone who's charging for her side project and turning it into a business, empowering women to be their own superheroes, capes not included. What would it take to make a privacy-first menstrual cycle journal? Like, what would I need to learn? What would I need to know about to make it happen? So I created a talk proposal where I kind of just wrote out, I think, like six statements about what I wanted from um, from a menstrual cycle app. Do I want it to be shared? Like, heck no. <laughs> I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, you can check out the Small Business Spotlight, also in the Call Paul feed. They're audio diaries from business owners, giving you a behind the scenes peek at the day-to-day of running a company. These stories are pretty great. I think you'll really enjoy them. Call Paul is wonderfully produced by Ruth Eddy and is a MailChimp original podcast. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast player so you can check out all our other episodes and seasons. And if you want more awesome content, check out MailChimp.com slash presents.